Welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet with the most bizarre crew on the internet. And uh, that being said, I'm Shane. I'm Oren. And I'm Jenny. And uh, we're the bizarre crew, like I mentioned. But uh, today, we're mixing it up. We're going to do it a bit different today. So we've been very, very heavy on the interviews. And now that we have more researchers involved, uh, rather than just just an, just interviewers, we're going to play to our strengths here. And we're going to start trying to expand on some more ideas and kind of show you guys what we're potentially capable of doing. So today, it all kind of branched off and started from uh, you know me being a Michigander and me being into Dogman. So I wanted to kind of expand on it and start talking about Dogman, but not just particularly like the Michigan Dogman, which I feel that nobody has really done it like solid just. So it started off with that. And I have two parts to that one that I know of so far. And it expanded to Orn wanting to do the precursor to all of that and the myth and lore and everything and kind of touch base on everything. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to get into today. But our intention is eventually this is going to be part of like a big series where we're going to eventually hit like the Beast of Bray Road. We're going to hit the Rougarou. Um, But hopefully you guys enjoy it. And we're just going to run into it and do some deep dives for you guys. But... So Shane being from Michigan, you know, he uh, has a lot of experience with Dogman and Dogman lore, but this is a subject that me and Jenny have kind of just come to know here in the past six, eight months. Um, probably over the summer was when we kind of first really got interested in Dogman. And um, so through my research here these past few months, I've kind of become very fascinated with it. And it seems like this is a subject that uh, there's been a lot of reports here recently and the activity is really ramping up. So, uh, hopefully you guys like what we're planning on doing with this. Um, this first episode is kind of going to be more surface level, just a little bit of background, touching on some famous cases, just kind of hitting the high points. And then, um, we'll kind of play it by ear and see where we go in the future and how far we dive into all this lore and, tales and theories and whatnot so that's kind of just a little bit of our roadmap moving forward needless to say we've been bitten by the dog man and that being said hopefully it's not a fucking werewolf because we're all going to turn into werewolves at this point (laughs) (laughs) talk about a bizarre crew just a just a crew of fucking werewolves just talking about dogs (laughs) that's it i'm all in let's do it (laughs) so uh before we can really get heavy deep into this one today we got to do the front of house stuff and uh we're gonna try to do it as fast as possible like i always seem to mention all shows which i probably don't have a need to really reference it being quick anymore so on the next show that'll be dropped out so i apologize in advance for you guys but uh Oren, why don't you let them know how they can get in contact with us all right y'all so if there's any topic that you guys want us to discuss or a guest that uh you want us to potentially have on the show or if there's any researchers or authors or anything like that out there that wants to reach out to us uh, you know you guys are always welcome to share your bizarre encounters with us we always love to hear those kind of stories reach out to us on uh outlook at um bizarre encounters at outlook.com or on um, social media, or the submission form on the link tree. So when it comes to the submission form on the link tree, I got to make sure I say this in every show at least once, because I don't know if there's new listeners, whatever. So if you guys shoot us an email, um, even through the submission form, we do reply to every single email. It's just a matter of it potentially not getting lost because our stuff seems to go to spam or junk. So if you do send us a message, make sure you keep an eye out in those folders and make sure that the message doesn't get deleted or erased or forgotten about. Um, 
If you guys hit me up through social media, uh, the best one to do so through is Instagram. That's the one that I'm the most active on. And if you guys want to pop in and have some awesome conversations with some awesome people while you're already checking out the social media, uh, go and check out the Discord and the Telegram. Uh, we're still in the process of building those up, but the only way they're ever going to build up and become something awesome is with your guys' help. So we definitely appreciate you guys popping in and having conversations with us and talking with us. Um, if you guys want to support the show, uh, there's multiple ways to do so. One way is through the Open Minds Media merch store. There you can get some awesome designs with our logos and all that. And if you guys do that, please send us pictures of... Uh, you wearing our shirts because we would love to repost them on social media and kind of get the word out a little bit more. Uh, if you guys want to get early access to episodes or live feeds to episodes or something I've been doing called the live replay, which is if you can't make it to a live episode, it gets reposted in its video format right onto the Patreon. Uh, that's something you can always do. Go and check out the Patreon. Uh, you can also donate directly through Red Circle. Um, all of that goes towards upgrades to equipment and things that we need to do for the show. Um, we're trying to eventually build up and kind of get Oren and Jenny a little bit more crisp of a microphone. So that's going to be our first thing that we try to tackle. But the only way we're ever going to be able to do that is with your guys' help. So anything you guys can do, always appreciated. If you guys are in the business of supporting some more small businesses, you guys can go and check out Crypto Theology. I know all of you guys are into the weird cryptid stuff. So go and get yourself some awesome weird cryptid design shirts. And every link we've mentioned is on the link tree in the show description. So, getting into the show now. So, this one, um, like I said, we, we have multiple people that do research on stuff. So, the way that these episodes are going to run in the future is that the person who does the research for that particular episode is going to be the person that kind of like runs the episode. And then the other two kind of pop in with their inputs, ideas, different things on that. So, this one in particular, uh, Oren did a bunch of the research for it. So, with that, Oren, take it away, my friend. All right. Yeah, also, uh, kind of just diving into this deep dive um like i said this is going to be kind of just um our syllabus or our precursor moving forward for our dog man course this is the um, dip in the toe because you know it, with the is. deep dives you got to jump all the way in the pool but in this one we're yes. going to let you skim your toe just this a little is, bit this is orientation <laughs> so you know all you guys are familiar with the bigfoots and the sasquatch and you know lake monsters and things like that but a recurring cryptid ar archetype that a lot of people might not be as familiar with is these large bipedal canid creatures. And this is something that seems like it's come to a lot of prominence here just in the past year or so. It seems like I've heard a lot of people talking about this on podcasts and, uh, you know, even on documentaries and things like that. Um, and, you know, these creatures are commonly referred to as dogman now, but if you kind of peel back the layers and look at history, folklore, things like that, it seems like these creatures or the idea behind them have been with us for a really long time. So kind of one of the most famous dogman sightings, probably the most famous one, is the Beast of Bray Road. And... As is typical in these sightings, it was a large wolf-like creature, often reported as standing five to eight feet tall, weighing several hundred pounds. And uh, interestingly enough, it had a foul sulfur-like odor, which, as you guys probably know, is a hallmark of all sorts of high strangeness and, you know, ghosts and UFO reports and just anything weird. Particularly demons and UFOs, it seems like, is the main things that people mm -hmm. seem to, you know, report those smells coming from. Absolutely. So, um, kind of the first report of this Beast of Bray Road type creature was actually in 1936. And it was by a worker at a convent in Jefferson, Wisconsin. And he said he saw a werewolf-like creature digging in a Native American burial mound, which... Obviously, that opens up all kinds of shit that we can talk about, Native American burial grounds, and what does that mean, and energies, and... The dog man's actually I mean, sitting there like, I'm trying to make this as bad as I possibly can for these people. Yeah. Let's fuck up some Native land so it doesn't come after me, it's going to come after the people working on it. <laughs> you little I, fuckers. You guys, <laughs> yeah. you guys have heard us talk about burial grounds probably more times than you can count at this point, but... Anyway, when this story really kind of kicked off was with a rash of sightings in the 80s and the 90s. And it was kind of concentrated around a rural community of uh, Elkhorn, Wisconsin. And so the creature kind of became known for the road that these sightings kind of clustered around, which was Bray Road, obviously. And, uh, you know, several of these accounts 
over this time period had a paranormal com component. There was, you know, sudden materialization and dematerialization, like kind of with Bigfoot sightings and things like that, even like shape shifting and telepathic communication. Uh, and multiple people reported these strange wolf-like creatures attacking their cars, which, as we'll see moving forward, that's a big one that keeps popping up in all these dogman-type situations, attacking cars. I'm just going to throw um, a theory in here already about the cars. Either one, they don't have an understanding. Either they're completely like a normal creature, and they don't have an understanding of what a car is, and they think it's some kind of giant beast that's moving through their territory, and they're like doing that thing that dogs do. Where they're like, whoa! go away <laughs> or option two it has something to do with some type of uh you know like animals will show some type of dominance in order to uh attract like a, like a mate so what other big type of creature is flying through where they live at other than a car that's probably their biggest thing that they have so if they're trying to show off to a female their best bet of showing off their strength is to try to go after a car so just trying to throw in some theories on it but <laughs> that's kind of where i sit with it so they're interdimensional dogs chasing cars or <laughs> trying, to, trying to screw a car one or the other. So. Yeah, they, they're going for the, they, they, they more often than not got to go for the side panel then because they got to go for the, the gas hole. But that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> the gas hole. I see what you did there. Give us a but um bump. But um There you go. There we go. All right. So moving on from gas holes. <laughs> These creatures are also commonly reported as having glowing red eyes, which everybody knows about glowing red eyes with Mothman and ghosts and basically anything weird. It's got glowing red eyes. And uh, we're going to talk about this a little more later, but, uh, you know, there's the idea of between eye shine and eye glow and what does that really mean? So just a little precursor that's coming up. So that's kind of the... Big dogman sighting. That's the one that everybody knows. You know, uh, Linda Godfrey wrote the book about this encounter. It's called The Beast of Bray Road, Trailing Wisconsin's Werewolf. Um, so, yeah, th when people talk about dogman, this is kind of, this is the Patty, uh, you know, the Patterson-Gimlin footage of dogman, as far as I can tell. So if any of you guys want to bounce anything off of that before I move on, feel free. Uh, just that, I mean, I feel like it's very region specific, but as far as like Michigan goes, like everybody knows the Dogman is Michigan, but definitely internationally wise, I feel like the main component to Dogman is definitely Beast of Bray Road. So I definitely, I definitely agree with that. As long as you're not talking about Michigan, then, it, then it's a whole other story. People are like, Bray Road, fucking, we got the Dogman here. The hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> Go to the Huron Manistee National Forest and you know, you're, you're going to catch one. <laughs> you become a missing 411 too while you're at it. <laughs> Well, you know, so we're down here in North Carolina, and there's not a lot of dogman stuff here in North Carolina. Um, as I'll talk about in a little bit, if we get to some of our neighboring states, it kind of comes into play. But so that could come you know, into play with of, the whole canine factor, too, that it seems like I hear a lot of people make reference to the fact that like dog like creatures and just in general, just the animals in, in the normal animal kingdom tend to be bigger in the north. So maybe that kind of fits with that component of that, that they've adapted in the North because they needed to be bigger in the North. But I don't know, just just well, kind of throwing around potential theories on it. Way colder up there. So yeah, possibly. So kind of jumping off of that, uh, one of the other kind of hot spots for Dogman type activity, and this is one that I've kind of really become fascinated with. It's uh, the land between the lakes. And so the Land Between the Lakes is a national recreation area that's located on the border of Kentucky and Tennessee. And we all know about all the weird stuff going on in Kentucky and, you know, this general area. So the area was designated as a national recreation area in 1963. And the land that this area is, you know, the land that it takes up was seized by the government through eminent domain and flooded. So it used to be an area known as the land between the rivers. And, you know, people lived in this area. There was communities. It, um, it was very rural, but there are still people there. And all of a sudden, you know, the government comes along, seizes this land, floods it, and turns it into this recreation area, which to me kind of sets off all sorts of red flags. Like, why would they have done any of that? Just sounds kind of weird to me. Is it in the, is it in like a peninsula? Like almost like they were trying to make it so that there was only like one exit out of this area. So 
my understanding is that it was like two rivers that kind of converged in very closely in one area and they flooded the area between these two rivers. And so, yeah, I think kind of like what you were saying, it was like a peninsula and now it's largely underwater and what's not underwater is this, you know, recreation area. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that obviously know far more about this than I do. This is my very, rudimentary surface level research on all this which we'll dig um, into it in the future we're planning on doing like a full part for beasts of bray road and uh and land between two lakes just so that you guys can get a little bit more in-depth view in it but we're just touching base on it today but we'll, we'll get farther into it in the future when we get the research done for it <laughs> and it seems like you know anytime you hear government eminent domain stuff like that that sets off all sorts of red flags to me and you've always got to ask yourself the question why like what was there that the government wanted to either one control or didn't want people to stumble into. I think this gets back to, you know, conversations we've had about national parks and military bases. And like you mentioned, missing four one one, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, they just need to set up like a, like a drone camera that sits in a constant spot all the time and see if you can find dog men doing doggy paddles across the river, the river lake pond, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> Cause the, honestly, the I don't think water would hold lakes. back a dog, man. If they want to go across that shit, they're going to go across that shit. Yeah. So a little bit more background about uh, the land between the lakes before we dive into the actual sightings of the creature there. So the rivers uh, in the area actually empty into the Ohio River, which, as we all know, is, you know, the river with Point Pleasant and Mothman and all that good stuff. Uh, There's also military bunkers at this location, also like Point Pleasant. And for some reason, there's a planetarium located in this recreation area, which seems weird to me. Like, why would you build a planetarium in a recreation area. I will give them the fact though, that potentially it could just be because of uh like light pollution. Like they're maybe p- trying to put it in a completely secluded spot just so that there's no light pollution. Like at least when it comes to like, like things like that, I feel like there's reason why they would stick them in weird secluded spots, but no, that's just me. Hey, it's possible. That's probably far more likely than portals, but <laughs> portals are more, more fun to think about real so. world <laughs> light pollution, uh, out there mind portals they, they're both viable options we can go with both but <laughs> you, got, you gotta come at it from all angles and and can i interject something absolutely so i was just reading a little bit about um about caves and underground stuff and this 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 location is what did you say bordering kentucky and tennessee yeah, it's, uh, kind of on the border of the state lines of kentucky and tennessee Okay, and Tennessee has the most discovered cave systems with um, over 10,000 different discoveries. Now, what that means, I don't know if it's just a hole that goes three feet. And off of that, too, Kentucky has the largest with the mammoth cave system. So, all right, so we got this. We've got caves. So just just throwing that out there. And that goes back to, you know, everybody out there is probably seeing the map at this point when they like overlay the cave system map with the missing persons map. And it seems like a lot of cryptid sightings happen in these areas as well. So, I mean, I think there's some sort of connection there, obviously, whatever that connection is, we're not smart enough to figure out. Either they're, they're all coming out of hollow earth and all of these cryptids are actually the local dwellers of the hollow earth or they repurposed a bunch of these caves as military bunkers and they're playing cabin in the woods on us and just releasing some monsters here and there to see what happens. <laughs> well, uh, I think you might be onto something with that one, but uh, so just a little more background about um, land between the lakes. I know you guys think this is all enthralling uh, being Carmen San Diego over here, but in 1991, the area was designated as a UNESCO biosphere reserve, which is a real fancy Jurassic park sounding thing for um, a special agency of the UN. And it stands for the United Nations educational scientific and cultural organization. And so the biosphere reserve was part of the man and the biosphere program, which is an intergovernmental scientific program launched in 1971 by UNESCO that quote, aims to establish a scientific basis for the improvement of relationships between people and their environments. So 
that's really conspiratorial sounding to me. Like, I mean, what not anybody, a better connection with nature than to turn people into uh, half mutated beings or to create half mutated beings from something that's natural with humans and using the UN to do it. I mean, I'm trying not to be the tinfoil hat guy, but UN's always up front. What are you talking about, man? Just like the government, man, they only tell no, you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> They're laying it on pretty thick here. <laughs> so uh, anyway, kind of wrapping that up, uh, the land between the lakes recreation area was withdrawn from this United Nations program by the Trump administration in 2017. So getting into the actual dogman stuff in this area, uh, you know, in this area, there's always been Native American legends of like shamans and creatures who can shape shift, kind of similar to skinwalkers, but they don't call them skinwalkers because this is a different uh, Native American culture. It's kind of my understanding. But when this stuff really started to kick up was in 1973, and a group of students from Murray State University were camping in the area, and they saw one of these dogman type creatures. They tried to escape, they got in their car, were trying to drive away, and it attacked their car. Same thing as Bray Road. And probably the most famous encounter that happened at uh, the Land Between the Lakes is in the 80s, and this is kind of like the big Land Between the Lakes massacre. And there's uh, some conflicting information about all this, but kind of the general gist of it is there was a Viewer expression advised. Oh, yeah. Trigger warnings and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, the mixtape's about to get hard here. So, uh, Kind of, like I said, there were there's some disagreement about the details, but the general idea is there was this family camping in a motorhome. And somebody the next day found the mutilated bodies of this family. And there was like a half-eaten little girl's body that was found up in a tree and all kinds of craziness. And there's a whole lot of uh, kind of smoke about that this incident was kind of covered over or hidden by the authorities. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the, the big land between the lakes thing. Just to add on to that one, too, I wanted to throw in a little bit. We'll dig more into that when we actually hit the episode and do a little bit more about this part. But uh, from my understanding of it, it was a multiple day thing where they were staying there for like a weekend and they reported weird things happening the two nights before this actually happened. And then when the big event happened, everybody was like, oh, no, even though they had kind of like a like a warning that something weird was going on. And just again, to add on to it, the one daughter was found in the tree. They had two kids. Um, the other daughter was found in the back of the RV looking like an animal brutally like ripped her apart and attacked her. And then the mother and father were found when you walk into the door of the RV pretty much like destroyed on the floor. So just to add some more components into what happened to the rest of the family, everybody was completely brutally attacked and it didn't look from what the reports say as like something that a human would be capable of doing. It looked very animalistic, but it was right. a very strong animal considering that, you know, the one daughter was found spread between trees. Yeah. And not even just one tree. She was supposedly like spread between multiple trees, like high up in the tree. Yeah. So um, thanks Shane for kind of filling in some of those gaps. Um, you know, and this area has a long history of these kind of sightings and they continue to the present day. There's all sorts of strange activity like orbs and uh, Bigfoot sightings other kind of, you know, anomalous things going on. So this kind of seems like it's kind of a hotbed area, kind of the same as Skinwalker Ranch, which we're going to kind of get into here in a second, uh, which again leads me to wonder, is this one of these window areas or places where the veil's thinner and these dogman type creatures are more easily able to come into our dimension, plane reality, whatever you want to call it, in this area that is the land between the lakes? There's actually a dogman city like 20, 20 feet below below where you're standing at all times. Like it's just a concentrated spot where there's just this giant cave of like dogman chilling underground going into our potential cave and underground theory. <laughs> it's like in the Matrix Reloaded and they're just having like a dogman rave underground. <laughs> 
just uh, I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> very, it just makes me think of that scene from Blade, uh, the Blood Rave in the beginning with all the vampires. You know, where if they have the ability to like switch back and forth, if they're more like werewolf like than like solid mass dogman like, like all these missing four one one cases, they actually meet some random like raver in the woods just dancing, and they're like, oh wow, that guy looks like he's having a good time. So they go up and they ask him, and he's like, hey man, I got all the drugs you could want, all the hard bass you could want, all the music you want. Just follow me into this cave. So then you go down that in the cave. <laughs> and I, it's all I mean, the, the glowing red eyes are actually glow sticks. Exactly. <laughs> and you go down there, there's all these like nice little lights and everything. Everything looks pretty. And then you get in there and everybody's dancing and stuff. Then all of a sudden one dude just bites somebody's neck. They all transform into werewolves and you're just like, oh fuck, where am I? <laughs> and then it turns into the blood rave and you're in rave. You're in blade. Well, so <laughs> hey, there you go, guys. Uh show's over. We figured out the paranormal. It's a uh, drug addict raving dog. <laughs> So. <laughs> Little John's down there singing, turn down for what? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of looking for normal dog men, you just got to start looking for random wooks in the middle of the woods with drugs, and they're going to lead you to the dog men. <laughs> I, that sounds like as good a theory as any. That fits so. the wook look, man. They're actually half dog men. That's why they got the beard. That's Wooks are actually dog men. So that's just another potential theory we're going to throw out there. <laughs> All right. So skinwalkers. This is a big one. Everybody listening knows about Skinwalker Ranch, so I'm not going to dive too deep into that. In a future episode, maybe. Maybe, maybe. But, you know, the kind of the gist of it, the Navajo legend of the Skinwalker is an evil witch or a shaman who has the ability to shapeshift. And Skinwalkers are said to be able to take the shape of any animal, but they often prefer the form of coyotes or other large dog-like creatures. Skinwalkers are often said to have glowing red eyes. There's the glowing red eyes thing again. And so Skinwalker Ranch obviously is a hot spot for all sorts of strange activity. But there's a lot of these dogman type sightings in this area. And if um, any of you guys have not read Hunt for the Skinwalker, highly suggest it. One of the best paranormal books I've ever read. They talk about encountering... Also, dogman type creatures, and then just like kind of run of the mill looking wolves, but they were huge. And you know, they would try to shoot these creatures. Guns had little effect on them. And then they even saw like kind of interdimensional, um, shimmering predator type creatures that behaved a lot like reports of these dogman creatures do. I think they're fucking up. They need to use silver bullets. <laughs> That's yeah. probably the, the <laughs> issue. I mean, military. Have you ever tried silver bullets on dogmen? That's a serious question. Because if not, maybe that's the key. <laughs> and inflation's way too high to use silver bullets now. <laughs> you just got to make it count. <laughs> <laughs> so, kind of all this makes me think about even older stories and folklore, and you know, this idea of werewolves. Everybody knows what a werewolf is in pop culture, and you know the movie depictions and Twilight and all that kind of bullshit. But obviously, like with anything in the paranormal, these stories were based off of something, you know, and even going back to ancient Greece, they had stories of half wolf, half man type creatures that were known as lycanthropes. And as far as I've been able to tell, this is one of the oldest and you know most enduring depictions of dogman-type creatures. So this is something that goes back really far into history. Like A lot of Native Americans have tales of these kind of creatures. And so it's like I always say with stuff like this. We have to ask ourselves, what could these stories really mean? And, you know, somebody talks about a werewolf, you know, is a man who turns into a wolf. Well, that might not be the case. It could just be that at some point somebody saw one of these dogman creatures and they saw them, you know, stand up and run away. And through the centuries and, you know, the game of telephone that got turned into, you know, these are men turning into wolves. And really, no, it's just one of these dogmen running through fields. So just to throw uh, in a little extra piece of information too, uh, lycanthrope, if people are curious what that breaks down to in Latin, that literally means wolf man. So, you know, people look at the whole word dog man, like it's like a ridiculous concept because of the way it's worded. But if you go back to the ancient Greece, they literally worded it the same way. It just sounded better because it was in Latin. (laughs) I had that in my notes actually, but I skimmed over it. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I'm trying to just hit the uh, the highlights here so I don't bore you guys. Hey, man, when it comes but, to um, words and breakdown of words, like at least for me, I find it fascinating. So every time we have an opportunity to hit that, I'm definitely going to hit it. <laughs> well, I just went through like a 15-minute geography lesson on Land Between the Lakes. So. <laughs> you got to cover all things, all bases. You got to imagine it like you're in school, but fun because we make jokes in the process. And we can get dirty with the jokes, so it's not like normal school <laughs> jokes where it's just solid dad jokes. So like, we'll hit those, but we can make dirty jokes in the process. <laughs> That's what she said. That's Give what she said. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a, a two for one there. So Double lots of cultures around the world also have these dog man type stories. And we just have to, you know, dig below the surface and look at it and be like, okay, what are these people actually talking about? I think we're all talking about the same thing here. Just everybody calls it something different. The Native Americans call them skinwalkers. We call them dog men now. Uh, in French Louisiana culture, they're called the Rougarou, which we're debating doing a whole episode on that. Um, and then over in Europe, in uh, the UK, in England, that area, they have stories of what they call black dogs. And these are not, you know, the traditional dog man depiction of half man, half dog, bipedal canine, but these are just really large black dogs. So these black dog creatures are reported as having glowing red eyes and the smell of sulfur. So there are both those things again. Sounds a lot like hellhounds too, because, you know, when you get into this lore, there's like a mixed line between a lot of things. And as far as like what a lot of people might know these black dogs as, and the closest thing to relate them to that people may know about is hellhounds. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I said, what are we actually talking about here? Like all these things are probably much more intertwined than they might appear on surface level. And these European black dogs are often sighted uh, in graveyards on the sides of roads or around bridges, which are all, you know, liminal spaces where paranormal stuff seems to happen more often. And, you know, traditionally a lot of this kind of stuff is kind of laid out around energy lines and ley lines and things of that nature. Um, so a lot of these English reports of black dogs, they even say that these creatures come out of falling lights from the sky. And there's accounts of them vanishing into thin air. And they're sometimes accompanied by tall, dark men, which could go anywhere from men in black to shadow people to hat man or wherever you want to go with that. But there is in European folklore a connection between large dog type creatures and large dark shadowy figures. So that might even make a connection really into cool. the theories that people have with uh like Sasquatch potentially like using dog men as almost like pets too. Like that kind of seems like it fits into that, that more often than not people, when they report seeing Sasquatch near dog men, it's usually they're like ominously hiding in the woods. So either one, we're putting the category of Sasquatch on something that's not actually a Sasquatch or two, um, there's more in depth with there being like a controlling factor to these dog men than what we give credit for. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of connections between Sasquatch type creatures and these dogman creatures. Like even some native American elders say that Bigfoot creatures can shape shift into wolves, which is something that I didn't know until I was doing research for this episode. And, you know, a lot of Bigfoot researchers, believe that Dogman could possibly be some kind of subspecies of Bigfoot, whatever that means. Um, and so also in the Hunt for the Skinwalker book, it says that some people in the Ute tribe use the term Skinwalker and Sasquatch interchangeably. So I thought that was really interesting uh, because it also says in these legends that Bigfoot creatures can change into the form of a coyote. What's hmm. a coyote if not a big dog? Yep. You know, so, um, and kind of talking more about the glowing red eyes thing. Like we said, this is a connection between all sorts of high strangeness and paranormal, but something I was reading in my research talks about the difference between I shine and I glow and I shine is kind of, you know, what we all think of when we see a deer on the road and their eyes light up or, you know, people in photographs. Uh, 
it's a reflection of light off of the back it, of the exactly. eye. Exactly. Eye shine has to have a light source that's shining back. That's why it's called eye shine. But eye glow is something completely different. When there's no form of light, these eyes appear to glow. So these glowing red eyes that are associated with Dogman, Mothman, anything like that, that seems to be something that's not a natural occurrence and appears to be a hallmark of the paranormal and the strange in my research. So another big thing of, in these Dogman accounts is these creatures seem to be overly malevolent. Like people talk about just sensing pure evil and pure fear and I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, in a lot of Bigfoot encounters, people don't report that level of fear. You know, obviously they're scared because they're seeing something weird that shouldn't be seen. But people don't come away acting like they're these, you know, demonic things like they do in Dogman accounts. And, you know, we've watched some documentaries and listened to a ton of podcasts getting ready for all this. And all these Dogman reports are really similar like there's very little variation in all of them like everybody's hitting or checking the exact same boxes you know glowing red eyes overwhelming sense of fear and evil and so i just i think this is one of the more believable cryptid sightings because people just don't waver you, you know everybody's saying the same things and you know this idea that you know paranormal things can present themselves however they want to be seen and so if you're in the woods and you're expecting to see a sasquatch i don't think that's what's going on here because a lot of these people that are reporting these dogman sightings would have no knowledge of what a dogman was so i think that's really interesting that there seems to be a big difference between in my opinion dogman and sasquatch i like wonder this isn't I wonder if that this plays a component identity. in the uh, animal itself, because like when it comes to like an ape, if you're like face to face with an ape, like there's a little bit less natural fear from that because it's a more intelligent animal. It doesn't necessarily want to get into a conflict. It's going to try to like kind of avoid you where when you come into a dog, like they're unpredictable, completely unpredictable when it comes to like just naturally in nature. So maybe it's a subconscious thing where your brain, if you see an ape is like, all right you kind of have an opportunity to kind of figure out what you're doing here. Where if you see a dog, your first natural uh, subconscious um, component that comes in is pretty much like get away from this thing as fast as possible because it could be totally chill and then snap in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely possible and it could also be as simple as, you know, there's good people and bad people. There could be good cryptids and bad cryptids and it could also be these things aren't truly malevolent they're just a wild animal from another dimension you know a shark is not malevolent if it bites you if you're swimming in the ocean that's just a shark being a shark so if these things are coming through portals or something like that and end up in our reality and are acting aggressively that might not mean that they're inherently evil could just mean they're lost animals. You know, who knows? It could even be a territory thing where just in general, dogs are a lot more protective of their territory than other animals are. So if anything yeah. steps into a dog's territory, it's going to do anything to get them out. And people need to take that into consideration where like Sasquatch, the whole woods are kind of its home and it's kind of around, but like dogs and dog men would have like a specific area that's theirs. And if you step into their area, they're like, they're going to do anything they can to get you out of it. Yeah. And like even these dog men, chasing cars like that's very dog-like behavior you know so i don't think in the research i've done i don't think i believe these are some kind of demonic entity i think like i said they're they're wild animals from some other place that end up here and they're just a little more wild than the bigfoots are do you think that's there's kind of any stories about dogmen chasing mail trucks because i feel like that would be fucking hilarious <laughs> <laughs> like they get extra well, aggressive when it comes to mail trucks. <laughs> if there's mail trucks running around in recreation areas and in the woods, we'll have to test that theory. So. Well, I'm on the highway. That's, I mean, definitely more likely. Like maybe they just have this extra subliminal thing in the back of their mind where they're like, I don't know what it is about this car, but I particularly don't fucking like this car. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. I can get behind that theory. <laughs> so, um, See, because any mailman that's came in contact with a dogman hasn't survived the encounter. So we that's why we don't have stories. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
just an aspect that I want to kind of bring into consideration here when it goes back into like the lore of the Dogman in particular. Um, so the, the Shaney Warriors had a story about the Dogman soldiers. And to go a little bit more in depth with it, uh, back in the 1860s, uh, the Shawnee established their own group of warriors known as the Dog Soldiers or Dogmen. Uh, Native Americans spent years studying or becoming one with their spirit animal, taking on the mannerisms and strengths of wolves or wild dogs. Allegedly, the Shawnee Dogmen were killed off by the U.S. Army. However, according to the lore passed down from the elders, not all of them died. According to legend, some of the dogmen actually shapeshift into dogs and now roam the woods and swamplands. It's worth noting that while witnesses admit feeling terrified, there hasn't been any known deaths attributed to dogmen. This is thought to be because of the Indian belief that one must invite the evil unto themselves. It cannot just harm you. And uh, at least for that, that's where like the multiple factors come in, where when it comes to like dogman lore, I don't necessarily think it's just like one component. I think that there's definitely like the werewolf, like spiritual aspect to it, where there's those that subsection of it. And then there's also the ones that you hear about like attacking people and all these stories that get covered up. Um, a lot of the time, like you were kind of like we we're referencing earlier in the episode, they seem to be near locations that are like government bases. So when it comes to that, I don't think that they're like turning people into werewolves, so to speak. Like, I think that there's like the natural components of the dogmen things that there was something that evolved from nature, but I feel like that inspired governments to start actually trying to do some like gene splicing. And at that point, I don't think that they're again, turning people into dogmen. I think that they're taking like human DNA with like a dog DNA and they're splicing it and raising this thing up from the time that it's like a little tiny embryo. And is, they're essentially creating these creatures rather than turning people into them, like rather like the super soldier concept of it. Um, because more often than not, it feel, it seems like when people have violent encounters with dogmen, they make reference to before the attacks happen, there's this like metallic, like clinking, like grinding sound. And mm -hmm. that's when it comes back into kind of what I was talking about earlier in the show with these caves potentially being like secret bunkers and things like that. And they're actually releasing a door to test these things out. And yeah, that's where the violent factor comes in is I think those are like the tested government made ones where the ones where they kind of just watch from the distance or chase after a car, things like that are the natural ones that are, again, more dog-like in characteristics, and they're not the ones that are, like, straight up going out and coming after people to actively attack people. It's kind of just, like, push them out of their territory and they're well, done versus, think, like, continuously, brutally coming after somebody. No, I think you're totally right, and I think with most paranormal, alien, cryptid, anything like that, you know, more than one thing can be true at one time. And I think... In all this kind of stuff, there's a very real flesh and blood, nuts and bolts component to it, but there's also a lot of weird stuff going on. And one doesn't necessarily cancel out the other. You know, both these things can be true. And kind of talking about the, you know, the scraping metal door and all that, I actually had in my notes, and I glossed over it, the Martin Groves account at Land Between the Lakes. Um, and, you know, he talks about in his book, Beast Between the Rivers, about hearing that metallic banging sound that sounded like a door scraping. And then, you know, all this weirdness around dogman accounts and um, sulfur-like smells and even like a lack of nature sounds, which is another thing that comes up in Bigfoot uh, accounts. And, you know, all these kind of things that's known as the Oz factor when like just things seem to stop in an unnatural way. So, you know, is there some kind of government or military connection to these dogman creatures? I mean, it seems like there's kind of some smoke there that there could be some fire, you know? Cause I mean, potentially looking at it from like a military standpoint, <clears throat> if you create some kind of a dogman creature, first of all, people wouldn't believe they exist in the first place. So you could drop this thing into an area that you wanted to just destroy everything and any stories of anybody that survived the attack, nobody would believe it anyways. And you wouldn't have any link to you because nobody knows that like it was like a U.S. soldier fucking dogman warrior or whatever the hell. Like it just brings in this component where you can wreak havoc and not have any tie to it. So... A, a good way to test it out is on like random campers, things like that, just to see like what it's potentially capable of. And I mean, even going into another component of that, if it's a living, breathing thing, they need to be able to feed it. So, you know, rather than, you know, trying to bring a bunch of meat or whatever and bring in some red flags as far as like meat producers go delivering to like a weird area, something like that, they could potentially just open the door, let it run around the yard and come back and it'll bring a meal back with it. Um, just 
again, throwing some possible theories out as far as like the way that these things interact and do their bidding once they hear this grinding door and then they disappear afterwards. So they're going back again somewhere. So, you know, I think it's a matter of yeah, being like absolutely. let out, like letting the dogs out for a little bit and then bringing them back in. Let them stretch their legs. And, and, and with cave systems, I mean, no, um, I wanted to, to jump into one thing real quick before you no, go. No, I was just okay. out that, No, go ahead. No, it reminded me of something we were talking about last night, if that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So we were kind of talking last night. Uh, you know, it's my opinion, especially in light of recent events and stuff, um, I don't think the government knows nearly as much about, like, UFOs and aliens as a lot of people tend to think. But I think the government knows a whole lot about cryptids. Yeah, I think they know these things are real. I think they know they're not from here. And I think they know they can't control them. So I think, you know, everything you're saying about letting the dogs out, basically, there's a lot of validity to that in light of just kind of what we know or we think we know about all this kind of weird cryptid and alien behavior. Yeah. And just yesterday, I was, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before. I was listening to a podcast about um, this gentleman had come on and he was from Oak Ridge and for um, anyone. Oak Ridge, that's uh, Tennessee, correct? It's in Tennessee. It's, um, it's equated a lot to CERN. Like they're doing stuff there. Um, It's a nuclear plant. It, let's see, it had something to do with Manhattan project and the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima that anyway, they, they produce uranium there. And I was listening to this podcast and this, this gentleman was talking about his dogman encounters at near this, this place, this facility. And then a few minutes later on the news, I see that there was a gigantic uranium fire in Oak Ridge and the place that, let me, I want to get my facts right on this. It was, um, it was a building, it's a building 9212. It had already been sanctioned to be, um, in 2020, they decided they were going to go ahead and do away with this building because it wasn't up to code. Nothing worked anymore. They were going to do this like in 2023, I think was, not 2023, 2025, I think was the year. And as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, what a weird synchronicity that, I was listening to this and this happened. Like, did something happen? Like, was this fire started? Not to get too conspiratorial, but it, it, is there something there? Is right. there? And kind of what we were talking about is, you know, with all these recent train derailments and Chinese weather balloons and all that kind of stuff, kind of what we've been talking about is, okay, what's going on that this is trying to divert our attention away from? And I kicked out the theory of, you know, we've had the weather balloon thing going on. We've had whatever, eight train derailments. This coming off the back of all that doesn't even register. Like uh, Uranium fire. Okay. We've had all these, you know, chemical spills and whatnot. So maybe all that was to divert attention from whatever was going on here where, you know, not to say it's portals, but it's portals. Maybe there is a portal at this Oak Ridge place where these dogmen creatures were coming in from, and they tried to destroy the portal. Uh, <laughs> Fuck it, burn it all down. <laughs> burn it exactly. all down. Exactly. I don't know if you've read the book uh, Merging Dimensions about like the Sedona portals, um, but uh, I think the gentleman's name is Tom Dongo, I believe, who wrote the book. He talks about in Sedona, Arizona, which is supposedly, you know, a hotbed for portals and strange energies and things like that. He talks about like these clandestine military government groups, basically, you know, like in Stranger Things and the upside down, like burning these portals so things can't as easily come through them. And so when she was telling me this story last night, I was like, oh, my God, I wonder if that's what's going on here. See, but my question is, does the portal close or is it just a matter of there being a fire fire around the portal so things don't want to walk through it? Because, I mean, if you're looking at it from like a black hole perspective, that it may theoretically work the same, like 
there wouldn't necessarily be like a human physical way to just be able to like close it or shut it down. So like, I don't know, maybe they're just saying like, fuck it, let's burn it all down. Maybe that'll help. But I feel like there's still a potential of when the fire dies down, everything dies down, like that portal's still there and there's still going to be things trying to come through that portal. Or perhaps, you know, the energy, the, the activity had gotten so amped up that they couldn't keep it to the slated spot in 2025. They had to, I know I'm being very, <laughs> no, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Cause like we were talking about in the intro, like this dog man thing has really ramped up here in the past year or so. Like I didn't even know about this a year ago. And now it seems like every podcast you listen to every, you know, Instagram post in the paranormal community, it's dog man. Like that dog man and giants are like the two big things right now. And so, yeah, it sounds a little tinfoil hatty, but at the same time, it doesn't take a whole lot of dot connecting to make sense there to me. I mean, I feel like at least for like the upspike in Dogman stuff, I feel like it was one of those things that up until relatively recently, everybody had different Sasquatch encounters. They didn't really want to talk about it. So we didn't really get to get too in depth with like the theories and things about it, where I feel like a lot of the old Sasquatch encounters that people may have had could have potentially been dogman encounters also, but we just didn't have anything to relate it to, to be able to divide it between like, this is a Sasquatch and this is a dogman. So I think that any old dogman sightings, you kind of have to look into the characteristics. Cause I feel like a lot of them just got subsectioned off with Sasquatch encounters. And you know, this is one of those deals where I think the internet has been the best thing ever for the paranormal community and everything like this because not only do people not feel quite so crazy, like any piece of information is three clicks away. And where in the past, you know, if anything weird came and visited you in the night, it was an angel or a demon. And now people are thinking about things differently. I think in the same way that you just said, not everything weird in the woods has to be a Sasquatch. And I mean, that even comes into the factor, too, of it, it's a, just a matter of perception, too. So potentially all these things could just be trickster beings and all be the same thing. And because the group collective consciousness has moved to Dogman, that's why people are seeing Dogman now is because that's what they're projecting themselves as, because that's what people are projecting to see. That's a very valid, very valid point. I guess my only rebuttal to that would be, you know, in these documentaries, everybody knows what Sasquatch is, but a lot of these people who are talking about these dogman encounters, you know, even going back to like the 80s and 90s, these were just like good old boys out hunting in the wood. They wouldn't have had any frame of reference for what a dogman was. So maybe it's possible that these trickster entities were presenting themselves that way. But it seems like a stretch to me to think that like these individuals were actively perceiving like it, it wasn't something they were making up in their minds like I'm going to see this as a dog man. Like did the entities show themselves as that? That's possible, but I don't know. It, that was really long winded, but it just it's interesting to me that a lot of people have very similar accounts that by all. You, you know, by all rationality, shouldn't have known what these things were. I mean, it could be a matter, too, of perception in the aspect of, like, you're, if the main thing that you'd probably be afraid of running into in the woods that you don't understand is some type of, like, giant, hairy, like, primal being, right? So some people associate that with being more man related to be primal, like a, like they're more scared of like there being like a primal human where other people are scared of there being like a primal animal. So maybe that's where like the division comes in is that more people are scared of like a natural human and that's where they have like the Sasquatch visuals. And then more people are scared of like the primal aspect where that's where they get into the dogman stuff. But I'm not denying the fact that of course that there's multiple beings, but if there are potentially trickster, trickster beings that are coming into play here, that could kind of be where the deterrent is, is kind of like what people are scared of in the woods the most of a reflection of themselves almost being primal or the true animalistic nature of the woods. Uh, why not? Why not all? Why, why not both? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think what's interesting about that too is 
like we were talking about the European black dog encounters and, you know, these dog thing, whatever you want to call them, being accompanied by large, dark, shadowy figures, it seems like they also have kind of a connection to, like, European fairy lore. And these black dogs are often reported in, like, fairy-type situations, which could also go back with tricksters and what does fairy actually mean, you know? Like I said, comes into the trickster aspect that everything that we talk about could all be under the same category, being the same fucking thing that's just hiding itself under multiple skins. Exactly. But yes, <laughs> I always like to bounce yeah, into that to be not, a component. Not Tinkerbell. <laughs> you know what? What does that actually mean in I mean, real world terms? Even in fucking even Tinkerbell, like people have a misconception mm-hmm. of that to begin with. Because okay, so she's the one that's hanging out with Peter Pan, and there's this whole conspiracy theory behind that that she's actually the one that's controlling the realm of like where these kids are getting trapped in. And it's not actually like what people perceive it as is like, Oh, let's bring him to a plant to a place where they'll never get old, whatever. It's actually playing into the old fairy lore of luring kids away so that they could bring him into this other place. So even Tinkerbell isn't exactly the hee hee happy character that people perceive it as. You could totally view it as she's also a component tricking these kids into going into another realm, which is the, the fae. And it could be pretty damn on point with true fairy lore. Yeah, and she was I actually, can't believe you yeah. just brought that up. I literally just watched this like last weekend. I was like, let's go back and watch Peter Pan. Let's just see and let's let's talk about Peter Pan as well. Come on, Pan, you know. Playing a pan flute like <laughs> how did I never say oh he's Peter Pan? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but Tinkerbell is she's bad. She's absolutely a trickster component and um you know, missing time. And she brought, we also yes. figured out she's got a donk, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could not fit through that keyhole, man. In the true Disney fit. form, every girl has to have an ass. <laughs> yes, and could not fit through the keyhole. But no, she, you are absolutely correct about her. We should call this episode Gas Holes and Keyholes. <laughs> <laughs> and how we started on one thing and... Hey, we said we were going deep dive, didn't we? <laughs> now we're just letting it fly at the end. But just a little <laughs> add extra bonus. You guys get some Dogman and you also get some uh, Break Apart of Fairies and potentially Tinkerbell being evil. <laughs> yeah. No, Tinkerbell's absolutely evil. I knew that as a child. But, <laughs> but you know, also, like, I'm I'm kind of kidding, but I'm not kidding. As far as the Fae, like, there, there was the missing time. They took the children away and they were gone for, what, like a week? And then when they brought them back, they hadn't been missed. So... Mm-hmm. Going into the uh, 20 and backs, extending into another theory, but that's probably for a future show. We can connect uh, <laughs> okay. the Faye with 20 and backs. That might be a really fun one to do in the future. <laughs> but uh, as far as all the listeners go, I hope you guys enjoy what we've done as far as Dogman goes. This has been your little uh, dip the toe in the water concept as far as Dogman goes. And uh, we're definitely going to dive pretty deep into each one of these concepts going into the future. Uh, the next one is going to be Michigan Dogman. Um, more than likely, that one will probably be two parts. After that, will probably be the Beast of Bray Road. Um, and then at some point, I don't know if it's going to be directly after these or if we're going to put a little bit of a space in, but we definitely want to come back to the Ruguru because I I've love the Ruguru lore. Um, definitely going to cover uh, the land between two lakes and... Maybe You're, some potential guests moving yeah, forward. We, ha- we have possible an awesome guest that would be great to speak on that. Um, we're just trying to get all of the stuff coordinated and get it all figured out. And uh, if you guys are interested too, uh, we would also like to expand and possibly do like a European background as far as like werewolf and like black dogs go and dive into that stuff. But, uh, you know, give us, give us some, shoot us a message. Uh, let us know what you guys want to hear, what stuff doesn't sound interesting to you guys. And uh, we're going to keep expanding on it. So, Expect that you're going to hear a lot more about Dogman in the future because we want to do this one just and we can want to give it a full view from all different angles and not just look at it from one lens or perspective. So if you guys enjoyed the show, uh, please feel free to uh, leave us a review or rating uh, on Spotify. You can just drop us the five stars and walk away on iTunes. If you guys don't mind leaving an awesome personal message, we would definitely love to read them on the show in the future and uh, just sharing with a friend in general. That's a good way to get the show out there. If you know anybody that's into some weird, bizarre concepts, just drop the name bizarre encounters. Maybe it'll stick in the back of their mind subconsciously and they'll look it up in the future, but anything helps and we appreciate anything that you guys do for us. 
And like we said at the beginning of the show, if any of our listeners out there have suggestions for topics or guests, or if there's any researchers out there, please uh, reach out to us either through email at bizarreencounters@outlook.com uh, or any of our various social media platforms. And every link that we've mentioned is on the link tree in the show description. I've been Shane. I've been Oren. And I've been Jenny. And we're the Bizarre Crew and... Don't be afraid to keep it bizarre. 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 bizarre.